In Pasadena, Texas, we visit a party house. Where the kids are always bored. And dying to live, but living to die. Dean, what the fuck? I think I could use my regular voice now, right? You can you can talk. Normally. I made up for screaming on the first one, and I was quiet on the second. Right one, by whispering so. like a mouse on the second episode. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back and editing, I'm like, I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> it sounds. It literally sounds like she's in the next. You room. said I gave you like a heart attack when I was because you were screaming in the beginning. I, I didn't was say excited. you were screaming through the whole thing. As was I. <laughs> but you know, I whisper talk. Like I have to be consciously like. Making myself louder because I whisper talk. <laughs> I don't. That's why I, I'm. This is me being measured. I have Michael Jackson voice, so like technically. It's like, oh, I don't even know why you would even say a thing like that. <laughs> right. No, I wish I. I wish I could remember how to do the Dean Coral voice, but I don't. <laughs> you don't have the country voice. For I this? don't know how to do it. No. I was like candy canes and whatnot. I do still have it. I've got it. Of course. But welcome to part two of me. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm just a good old Southern queen, Southern belle, honey. Dean uh, Sessions know. is back for part two. <laughs> Dean Sessions, yes. God, I wish you named it that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we should. This, this, whole, this whole arc is going to be called Dean Sessions. No, so this is part two of Dean Coral, the, the monster from Houston, Texas, who <laughs> again, killed 27 or 29 people. I think there's two floating. Yeah, there's like tw- they just found like 29 not too long ago. I think. Oh, that's what you see. Yeah, it's yeah right. there's an article on it. But yeah, we're going to talk about the sweetest guy in Texas. The sweet, just made from the sweetest cane of the sugar. I'm telling you. <laughs> Had some sugar in his tank, too, as my grandma would say. You know, he's kind of sweet. Sweets revolve around Dean. And if anything, he's Thank the sweetest you. serial killer you could. I guess. Uh, I mean,. By his end, he was not, but... <laughs> I mean, not at all. No, Dean, Dean was not sweet at all, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So last week, we kind of left you guys off with a little bit of a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a little about... We knocked on the door of his first victim, and we're going to cross that bridge again this episode. We're going to talk about how he killed his victims, how he tortured them. We're going to give a little mm-hmm. bit of insight how he disposed of the bodies mm-hmm. and where he disposed of the bodies. This and- is going to be a little bit of BDSM gone wrong. This is well. BDSM is usually consensual. I was gonna say <laughs> there, is, there, is a, there was a, no safe word. There's no safe word. There was no consent. There was no. Nothing. How is this for you? No one yelled pineapples, bitch. Any <laughs> time. Nobody was screaming Mickey Mouse or not at you all. know granola. It was just. Not, I feel like you've used these words before because you just came up with a lot of words. Well, I had very I had quickly. An ex, oh. <laughs> When I was a young and in 2010, I uh, I got to walk a line of uh, BDSM and there were safe words. And I had to pick words that weren't associated with sex at all, that I wouldn't associate with sex. Mickey Mouse so was it, one of them? Yeah. So it can't be, I would never say, damn, I feel like Mickey Mouse. I would never say, damn, this is crunchy like granola. <laughs> but well, that's why you would say, but you wouldn't say, you wouldn't use words like wet or. Of course not. Or, oh, or God, or anything yeah, that you yeah. could say in exclamation, like, oh, damn, you super wet, or damn, like, slobbing, or some shit. Like, you can't, I'm you've so gotta... moist. Everyone hates Ugh. the word moist. <laughs> I hate the word moist. Everyone hates that dew. word. Like, I hate the word dew. You really like, do? Like, mountain dew. Like, like D-E-W. I like morning dew. I like the... Like, like, like sweet morning dew. 
like, I took one look at you. Remember when that? they do the index, like the dew index in the morning, like for the weather. Oh, uh, I was like, you mean the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> That's an index, <laughs> technically. What are we talking about? This I don't is know. Dean. I don't know what's going on. We this is this is what you get at what did you do? We can't focus. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about Dean Coral being crazy. We 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 made such a we made such a point to say that his childhood wasn't so bad and it wasn't so terrible and it wasn't so unusual that you think it would birth a serial killer, but yet here we are. I mean, there's something to be said about someone suppressing themselves and hiding themselves and isolating themselves because of who they are mm-hmm. in their sexuality and not being able to express those things or explore those things as a young kid and as an adult trying to relive that right. by doing it with younger people. Right. So, uh, <laughs> like, where do you want to start today, D? Um, should we start about where he meets his new friend? Do you, you really want to start there? Yeah, I mean, there. I mean, or do you want to talk about <laughs> how he, what he did to? Ah, uh, no. Because oh, <laughs> we could talk about that. Well, I, I do want. I do want to give a little, a little background to, to, uh, to Dean's step up into uh, his escalation of violence. Really. Right, right. Then we will talk about his new friends. Right, because oh, friends. So a lot, a lot of people. Uh, think that dean just went straight into the uh the torture and the murder part but dean was actually just a your run of the meal uh run of the meal jesus like you talk about food you said granola typical run of the mill rapist uh right. for a while and he would drug his victims and he'd have his way with them assault them and he would surprise let them go right which is strange for right. but there there are so many rapists who rape their victims and leave them like that's not unheard of but you wouldn't to court to court them to your house to court them that sounds consensual to draw them and lure them to your house to rape them drug that or drug them rape them and let them go is so strange but he did that and he was doing it for a while and david brooks our our young fellow we met last episode yes who was, was his assistant uh, accomplice what's the word errand boy uh, yeah i i was typing up notes and i was like a recruiter and i was like that's not the proper that's term. not that's, that's not, not that's, that's not, not adequate or appropriate Chardell. but i mean it is kind of it, like a yeah i yeah. put it in quotes and so he was doing this and these some of these kids were actually being groomed from a young age. We talked about a little bit about a party house. Mm-hmm. Um he'd have like snacks and cookies and pretzels and all kinds of whoozes and what's it's Here goes his, the creepy <laughs> voice again. Like what time. is going on? Like you're channeling his like spirit. It's terrifying actually. I have to it's, I feel like Heath Ledger right now. Stop me while I'm okay. <laughs> you know what happened to that? Exactly. I don't want to die in character. So there is <laughs> But so, no, he would have these parties with these young kids and, you know, 12 to 14, there's he had an age limit. Seems he'd have his sugar cookies and all these stuff. Sugar cookies, fucking sweet. And he would he'd have these kids. And then when they turn 15 to 16, he'd invite them to the grown up party. Yeah. Where they had alcohol, drugs, they were hopping, um, paint, doing lines. They would get like piled with alcohol and drugs until they passed out and tricked into handcuffs yeah and that's when things got happy that's when things got happy that's when things got wild <laughs> that's when things got really wild but also after these when i'm saying when he would he'd rape them and let them go yeah there yeah. were there were neighbors there were neighbors who would hear things and be, they would just equate it to dean partying late into the night with other consenting adults right. and things getting wild and and it wasn't until you know dean decided that uh this wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah, he had to go a little bit further. But to my amazement, no one said anything. These people who were raped and let go, not one person said anything. You know. Or I, maybe no one believed them. But that's that's the And that's the, what I think it really is. But we is. also have to talk about the time we're talking about. So we have to talk about, one, 
oh, in general, how often do vict- rape victims report their rapes right away? Right, right. right. So, so like, it could have been years there's later. There's a shame. There's a guilt to it. Not only that, but now you're you're a young man being raped by another man at a time where people would read you as you wanting it, maybe. Maybe you were just a gay boy and you were a sissy or a Nancy or, you know, a fag or whatever. And so you don't want that. You don't want come that. Out. Yeah. Right. You don't want that society, societal pressure and labels put on you either. Yeah. You that know? whole idea is like you went looking for it or you wanted it. Right. As opposed to you're a victim, especially because, like I said, it's male on male. It's gay. It's that time. So, so. even like, even if you said, even I, I said last episode, they saw gay people as predators. Right. Even so, from both sides, they would be like, so how did you, as a man, remember, there's the male ego involved. Right. Let another let man happen. take advantage of you. Like, like why didn't you fight? Right, you know, but you should have fought back. Like right. I would have fought back because everyone thinks they can fight. They're big and bad until they're in a situation where they feel powerless. And, right, or it, like, literally, they, he was. Uh, <laughs> we talk about it. These kids were always bored. So there is. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, we could talk a little bit about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he escalates, and I mean, like, are we? T- let's well, let's talk about how the, he stripped them naked and uh, played uh, some board games. Yeah, so... Board board games. That was good. So there there was a time in Dean's life where he was was feeling a little bit unlike himself. You know, he felt a little shortchanged. He was working his little blue-collar job, and Mm -hmm. he was living in a rented home at 30, which was a little humiliating for him, you know? He wasn't living his best life. Not his best life. I mean, in in his head he might have been, but... um, you know, not to mention the isolation he felt, you know, mm-hmm. hiding his sexuality from his family. So he felt like he was on this island. And not only that, being a young man, a young queer man, mm-hmm. you know, age yes. was catching up with Dean. He keeps coming back. <laughs> uh, his age was catching up with him. Um, and his, his vanity was under attack from Father Time. He, he had sh- a weird thing about his age. He was so... Let's talk about that. Because he was so weird about his age. I, You know what I think it is? I really think it has to do with being gay. Because even in 2017, there are so many people who are like, 30 is gay death. They make that joke all the time. Oh. Like, if you're not in a long-term relationship, or if you're not fucking sexy, or stripped or something, and you're mm-hmm. a single at 30... Something's wrong with you, and they call it gay death. So maybe at age thirty in the in the 70s, Dean felt the same way. If you weren't already sharing a space with your roommate or your best friend, you know the code words that people use for their partners. You know? But you see, technically, Dean. No, shut up. They were not. They weren't partners. They, they were, no, we but he, to- but he had. Uh, was he like married at the time? Or no, had he, the girlfriend at the he time. He had. He had this. Girl- just he, dumb. It's broad. I, like, I don't... He she, had to, I mean, it wasn't gay marriage, but I mean... No, he wasn't even... He was, he was, he was thinking about married, but he was. Yeah. He, he had a beard, like most yeah. Southern men did who were in the closet. Uh, but Dean, you know, he had all these things were catching up with him. He was, he was aging. He had lines around his face now, mm-hmm. like most mm-hmm. people. And sometimes that, those regal, like wise lines are attractive, I guess. He didn't think so. Not at his all. His hair was thinning. You know, like he was, he couldn't afford the, he couldn't afford the pro, the treatments or anything like that or surgery because he was too busy literally giving his money to David Brooks to keep him quiet and to get more boys to his house. Right. So he couldn't afford anything. And so when raping wasn't satisfying his sadistic urges enough, you know, Dean took it to a next level and um, more uh, violent things were on his mind. So <laughs> that's right. where, that's where we are now. <laughs> That's not funny. Did we talk about what? So we're gonna go into the torture. Yeah, yeah. Because you about- had, uh So I 
all I have on my part of this <laughs> research, because he gets into more detail, is that he would tie them to like a plywood torture board that was hung on his wall. Um, and once he was there, they were sexually assaulted. They were beaded. They were tortured. Um, you over- say not beaded. <laughs> Did I say that? Beaded. Sorry. They, tortured. They, they was beaded. They were. Listen, I don't know what happened. That I was, was like, my. I was accent. like not beaded. That was that. No. Yeah, that was. I didn't. That this was my Michael Jackson. Accent. Beaded. <laughs> right. Beaded. <laughs> I haven't left Michael. Um, so this is after a period of several days, and then they were strangulated or shot to death. Right. So that's good. <laughs> that's what I have. And now he's going to go with the sick details of them all. Because I can't help myself. I, I did not look that deep. I had to. Because, one, I knew a little bit about Dean Coral because I came across a YouTube documentary years ago. And there's also a movie. There's a really shitty movie. But I wouldn't suggest watching it because I tried. So let's talk about his glass menagerie. Oh, well, he had he had a thing for glasses. But let's talk about his torture rooms first. Okay. Because that's where we are in our lives right okay. now. And that's where he was in his life. So Dean, because he was raping victims and letting them go, Dean was constantly moving. Um, so he was moving to hide from his victims, but also because his neighbors were starting to catch on. People were like, well, why do you keep bringing all these boys in the, the house? And they'd leave screaming and upset and limping and okay. Um, right. and when you, you know, when your neighbors get too nosy, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you get the opposite of a Michelle Blair situation. And who stayed? <laughs> right. Neighbors were like, that's none of my business. Right. I, I feel like white Southerners. The white neighborhood versus the black neighborhood. Right. I feel like white Texans, especially. Hey, hey, what's going on over there? <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, yo, Dean, Dean, I heard some screaming last night. You have a nice lady over there. I'm like, no, you crack over some natty. Did they have natty ice in the 70s? Probably. I mean, because there were boys, I guess it sounded like a woman screaming. They oh, didn't young have boys the, have high voices. Yeah, high voices, yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about this murder. Oh, God. This episode is about to get nasty. Right, so we, uh, we're, what we're actually going to do is we're going we're gonna to cross paths with the man, with the young man we met last episode, Jeffrey Conan, okay. who was Dean's first murder. That first love. He stop calling it that because we can't, <laughs> I don't want I don't want to conflate cons, like consensual. He was love, not yet. Yeah, there like, was no consent. I was rape. just being annoying. I know. Okay, Henry Zabrowski. So there, <laughs> like you're gonna be the problematic one, and I'm just gonna be like I'm gonna be Ben who tries to save the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, can we please not? Can we, like, <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, let's move on. That's what else happened, Marcus. We have to hit <laughs> like, all our types of listeners, and I'm just here for that flavor. Right. I mean, I'm not. I guess I'm too, <laughs> I'm too much of like an, of an advocate. I, I don't know. So she, like, I've been doing it for 11 years, and I'm still a hot mess. Uh, it says a lot about <laughs> both of us. So we meet Jeffrey Conan again, and the way he just he. Uh, assaulted and disposed of Jeffrey Conan would kind of set the pattern for the way he treated the rest of his victims. So let's talk about uh, Dean moving and creating these torture rooms everywhere he goes. So he would nail a metal sheet to the inside of the door to prevent people from boring their way out of rooms, which is the way to go. Right. (laughs) If you're trying to keep people in. In this torture room, he would have his torture board, which was, like you said, a slab of unpainted plywood about eight feet tall and two feet across with holes drilled in each corner. In each corner, the top corners, he would handcuff them mm-hmm. to the coals in the corner and tie them with nylon ropes on the bottom. Not only that, but he also had a box, Dean's Dean's special box that was built like a little smaller than a coffin, and which people believe were, was used to uh, transport the now uh, or the then deceased dead boys mm-hmm. to the spots where they're going to be disposed of. But they also found, and when the police were searching the house, they found uh, DNA hairs in those boxes and air holes. 
Right. And Dean's, you know, patented, you know, loved nylon ropes, which implied that they were strapped to the box as well at some times. Maybe waiting their turn when Dean needed two for one at some times. Yeah, he did a lot of two for ones. He did. He did a lot of friend specials. Oh, God. Brothers. Buy one, get one free. He didn't buy them. He stole them. They're kids. I can't. I can't. So again, Jeffrey Conan, he said he kind of set a pattern. So right, uh, his his victims were stripped naked and strapped to the board, facing inward, facing towards the board. They weren't facing outward. I mean, because right, because you, you need access to orifices and whatnot. yeah. I mean, oh my I, god, I'm see... getting creeped out. I can't read it now. I was like, I <laughs> you you what? We went into this right? No, so he was strapped, and then he would he would rape the young man, and when Dean grew bored with these victims, that's when he began torturing them. Right. Dean, as sadistic as he would, would take his time, mm-hmm. and he would pluck out his victim's pubic hairs, sometimes with his fingers, sometimes with pliers, but he'd do it one by one. So these are the details I didn't get. Yeah. I'm lucky I didn't read them, because I would have been like, I can't do it. I can't he do would, this right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. He would insert large, and I... There was there were specific details. 17-inch, some people would say 18-inch dildos into the rectums of his victims. Yeah, it got really intense at this point. Not only that, Dean would insert long, thin glass rods into the urethras. He would deprive his victims of food and water during this torment. But if he had a particular liking to a victim, he'd let them live a bit longer, giving them just enough. You know, just enough to keep them alive but until he grew tired of them. Then he'd strangle them, too. But he would also break off those glass rods while they were still inserted in their penises. The cops, when the cops found, came to investigate the house and search the house, they found a lot of little broken glass rods all over the torture room floor. This was Dean's, this was Dean's thing, which is insane. It, it's it's really crazy. And if he shot them, they were left to bleed out. They weren't shot to be killed all the time. Like, he shot them to bleed out. And in, um, in Man with the Candy, written by Jack Olson, there were multiple times that victims were shot in the chest. And while they were bleeding out, Coral would still abuse, assault, and molest them. Which says, like, there's there's so much about things. So you remember episode one, how we talked about <laughs> how he basically had a normal childhood. It wasn't too traumatic. It wasn't... This speaks to the level of like. This is why, I don't like. This is why what? we don't get it. This is why Dean Coral doesn't it, make sense. It doesn't connect because <laughs> the level of torture with these guys and like strangulation is so personal, right? Like Talk so about personal. Like the mode of killing hand, is important. right. That's hands on. Like if he shot them, like, and like you said, it's he left them bleeding out. So he must have wanted to watch them like die. die. He wanted to be t- like my. Uh, I have, I'm not gonna say who it is, but I have a friend, quote unquote, who had been stabbed in fights several times, and <laughs> my people. <laughs> we talked and about this. They said the worst thing about it is that you have to be there the whole time. That you have to feel the knife go in and come out, and so I think Dean appreciated being there the entire time of strangling someone, watching them take their last breath and being the reason for it and shooting them and watching them like lose just enough blood that they stopped breathing. Well, it's clear that Dean had a thing with the struggle of like trying to live because in both scenarios, you're strangling a person and you're watching them struggle to live and you're seeing those last efforts like 
you know, the, the, and the same thing with the bleeding out. Like, you've seen the pe- person die slowly. I mean, if Dean was a real one, he wouldn't strap him down. He'd be like, fight me, bitch. You right. know, like. So, Dean was really sick because a lot of serial killers are like, bang, you're dead. They don't want to see the whole process of dying. Well, that's the, the, uh, the whole difference between like a product killer and a process right. killer. Right. But, like, he definitely wanted to see. Yeah, he was a process, process killer. killer. Yeah. He was, he was, he was very close to like a B, like a BTK, you know? Yeah. So, like, a bind, you know, the bind. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, torture kill. Mm-hmm. Where he, you know, where he's like, he wanted to be there the whole time, and he wanted right. to take his time. Right. And it's insane that these sessions would last four to five days, and these and these young these young babies. But like I said, what made him get to that level, uh, like in his childhood, where he wanted to see that, or his fascination with that, I will never. Yeah, and like, and there's there's so much about it. Maybe we just didn't. We know. don't know. Like That's maybe things, maybe there were behaviors as a kid that his parents were just not either not aware of. Or were because there's something called Southern pride, and in the South you need you need to you know fake it till you make it. But some folks actually forget to fucking make it, and I think Coral was one of them. Well, as Mama Coral said last episode, her baby was perfect. Not she- my baby. My baby ain't no queer. That's you. You the queer. Right. So like we never get the full story. Right. So of maybe what she caught him went. killing right. small animals. Maybe she caught him wetting the bed and lighting shit on fire, giving us that trifecta. And was like, not my baby. My baby is pure, sweet, wholesome, good Christian boy. And he's going to marry himself a nice girl. Right. And he's going to move. What? He almost did. Twice. For, <laughs> for what Charnel does describe about the torture, there's no way he had a normal childhood. Like, she's lying. Like, <laughs> like, someone someone she's, was lying, she's lying or something was well hid because a lot of my family is from the South. And they do, they go above and beyond to hide family. Like, as a 28 year old, I'm learning things now. Like, I'm mm-hmm. learning that my grandmother mm-hmm. had siblings that quote unquote ran away and had cousins that disappeared and i was like why did they disappear like they ran away they actually moved to houston texas ding 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 because they got pregnant at a young age by mm-hmm. somebody they didn't want to be pregnant by you know and just happened to be family right so there so, are all <laughs> those family secrets and sometimes right. they die with the person and i think in dean's case that's what happened i i think so i think that they just kind of like took their taking things they they were adamant about taking things to their grave right and it's insane. And it gets even weirder because there was a point in time where uh, there's one instance where <laughs> I can't even talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. No, do it. Do it. Do um, it. Come on. Because give them all. We get a little ahead of ourselves. But give them all. There's a, there's a point in time where one of the victims was accidentally shot in the face mm-hmm. and it blew his jaw off. And instead of finishing the job, they let him bleed out. And Dean. Worked his worked his do. I didn't want to say magic on this boy too. Like even even with a, a jaw blown off, like Dean, there was no there was uh, no mercy. Where did you find this information? You got to read the book, sis. Oh my god, I didn't read the book. He did. <laughs> uh. But like there was no mercy involved. Dean was not a caring, loving, affectionate person. Dean was about process. Dean was about thrill. Dean was about pleasure and pain, and those were the only things he knew. And it became very, very apparent. Oh. I saw which victim you were talking about in my list. Yeah. And now you you, uh, might wonder, how is he starting to kill people and do these things? And where did he put the bodies? And I can tell you where he put the fucking bodies. That box. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Dean's box. And not only that, Dean had a torture van. Right. With walls of pegboard like, holes. You gotta admire the craftsmanship of... <laughs> I 
I mean, Home Depot uh, must have been popping for him. Was Home Depot even a thing in the seventies? What huh? it, like his local it's Pasadena, Texas. His, oh, his local, local hard, hardware store they was were probably prospering. They, yeah, and no one see, support this is right small thing. businesses in the right ways. So <laughs> is there? No one thinks because everyone. Uh, there was a joke being made. I can't remember which which there was a spree killing or a mass killing or shooting at some point. And they're like, so someone walks in and was like, look, I need X amount of bullets. I need I need tarp. I need rope. I need this. I need cement. And nobody was like, what are you planning to do with all these things? At Not some at point, all. if Dean keeps coming back and buying like lime and lye and shovels and tarps and rope all the time and buying glass rods and this motherfucker isn't a scientist or something. Like, I'm like, uh, what are you doing with this he shit? He could have went to like one in Houston, one in Pasadena. Like, but you know what? Dean wasn't, I don't, Dean wasn't smart. Dean wasn't the brains. Like Dean's, Dean made, he made, he, uh, but he did t- the torture board. He took precaution. He was, and he being, having an engineering mind. Yeah. 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 And, and, he, wait, yeah. being in gen, what's the word? I'm saying it's, there's a word for it, ingenuity, but, um, like he he set up he set up security around it. He set up a security system to warn people when they like were approaching his house. So he was smart enough to take precautions. But I doubt he drove all around to make these. Especially when the time between killings became so short, I doubt he was making. I feel like he was hitting the same store over and over again, and nobody was asking questions. So I I don't know. It just feels weird. To he was me. smart enough to move around. I think he actually did do different stories. Like I don't think he did the same. Well, story. maybe you're giving Dean a lot more credit than I do. I mean, he like it's, he moved around when things got shifty. So I don't. I think he had some perception of like people are onto him. Maybe he just lied about his job, his occupation when he was at the the hardware in the murder store. That too. I mean, he did. He was an electrician, so I mean, glass rods. Right. I don't know what he could have got that from the job. Right, this is very true. So and so, uh, <laughs> Dean in this torture van, he would usually it was usually used to tel- transport victims into one of four places. Dean had rented a boat shed, a pretty large boat shed, uh, and uh, he he'd uh, bury bodies on a beach in Palavar Peninsula, a woodland area near Lake Sam Rayburn, where Carl's family owned the lakeside log cabin, or a beach in Jefferson County. Yes. So he was smart about spreading the victims around. That's what I'm saying. He until... went to different hardware stores. <laughs> I don't care what you said. Right, but even then, so this is going to get worse. Yeah. The torture is going to get even worse. I hope you hope you read this one. No, probably not. So to even further illustrate the violence Dean was capable of and how wild he was, one of his victims was said to upset Dean so much that Dean had gnawed off the boy's genitals. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Good. Last podcast. Okay, so according to Carol Ann Davis's Couples That Kill... You need Couples protein. Oh, stop it, please. <laughs> oh, I'm crawling. My skin's crawling. Forensic researchers deduced that the size and type of wound that was bitten into the boy uh, had to be taken off in one bite. Ooh, he got some teeth. Humans bite down with a lot of force. Like people, I don't. I don't remember. I was googling the the pressure that we bite down with. The amount of force we bite down with, like crocodiles, is some insane number. But humans can bite down. With the same with a lot of force too. We can't bite down on ourselves usually with that much force because first human instinct is self preservation, so we don't want to harm ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if it's somebody else, mm-hmm. like if you ever see like a rapist who gets attacked and they get bitten, they get bitten hard. Mm-hmm. Like and it's because they're not you're not biting yourself. So it understands. So anyway, so yeah, Dean was very clearly losing it, like right. escalating, hitting his like mania state, um, and. There is there is some uh, there is some 
there were some psychological things happening here. Um, I was reading a few places that I guess he had like a water pocket in his scrotum that was causing him like increasing pain. So maybe that was why he wanted to bite a boy's testicles off. It was a strange thing. How do you connect those two? I don't know, but somebody like there's a lot of there's a lot of projection that happens in serial killers, especially when you're I a know, process killer. But like... So if your own scrotum is giving you pain, why do you fuck do you deserve a scrotum, D? If my balls hurt, everyone's balls should hurt. Exactly. <laughs> but there's a lot. But there's a lot of things that happen. Then why are there so many serial killers that kill women because they think that? Women are all evil whores who don't want to date them. It's like a revenge thing. So why do you get to be happy? If you're going to choose shitty guys, I'm going to kill you. You don't deserve anybody. Right. I mean, at one point in this, on this uh, podcast, we're going to talk about Elliot Rogers because we need to. Um, <laughs> do you know who Elliot Rogers no, is? No, I haven't heard of him. Um, he was in was it LA. He was in California. He, was, he had the manifesto. His videos are still on YouTube of him talking about, like, I'm so majestic. I'm handsome. I wear their best clothes. I drive a nice car. Why don't women want to have sex with me? Why don't like he was that no, guy? I haven't heard. He's gonna be like episode ten or something. It was, <laughs> it was insane. I love the ones that I'm are gonna, online. I'm gonna send you the link to his YouTube. There's another one that was um. There's another. There was a trans, non-binary person who was obsessed with like Danny Phantom characters. Do you remember Danny Phantom? That Phantom? one I heard of. Right. That one I heard of, and yeah. I did. And he has stuff online too. So it's like, it's so weird to see like a lasting immortalization of of these people and their sickness and like Mm -hmm. what was happening in their brain. So I'm like, kudos to you, but uh, be better people or I wish you can save people. But either way, we talked about how these assaults would last up to four to five days. And you know what? David Brooks, again, being very involved in this, seemed to not be moved by. The torture and killings of these boys. David Brooks was a little bit of the outcast. Like, as far as, like, his helpers, I think he didn't get as many people as Wayne did. Wayne was a little bit more friendly and people liked him. Right, but we haven't met Wayne yet. David, no, David, we're getting David there. was the outcast, though. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. David was the one that everyone's like, he's a weird so, kid. So, like, he's like, already a weird kid. Like, no, so, it's like, going to take a lot. Like, you have to promise me a lot of coke to get me to show up to Dean's house with David. But Wayne? Yeah. Good looking. Yeah. Young guy, yeah, like smart, smart guy, good student. Yeah, we'll talk. We about actually him. did meet Wayne for a little bit. For a little bit, he came in and out. <laughs> yeah, uh, but so Brooks, Brooks would say that he would stop short of uh, helping in the killings as he got busy uh, with a girlfriend. Yeah, he, he, he had, he David girlfriend. was having relationships. Even like though my, he's a weirdo, I guess everyone he, deserves love. There's somebody for everyone, yes. literally. Yes. I'm, I'm sure we all have people in our lives who are like, how the fuck am I single oh, and you? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. And then you, then you realize that you're a piece of shit for thinking that you're better than someone because you look a certain no, way. Because no, no, I, I still agree. No, like, no, no, not me. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. So let's talk about, um. so when David started to... um you know, have a lack of time and he was really busy doing yeah. like healthy 17 year old things like right. learning what love is and courting girls and, mm-hmm. you know, exploring. You know, murdering those. got a little bit boring for him and he decided yeah, he to, do, to the- do other things in life and pursue different, you know, options for him. Like mur- murder was like, mm, right. you gotta yeah. try, you gotta be a jack of all trades. Yeah. Open up the doors for yourself. Or a master of none, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so David, uh, would introduce Allow me to reintroduce myself. My, My name, name is Wayne. Wayne. <laughs> and to the Lily. I don't know. That's so terrible. Yeah, no. I love that fucking song, though. So he would introduce Dean to Wayne Henley, a 15-year-old heavy drinker, and needed some quick 
fucking cash. If at 15 you're drinking that heavily, you don't have much going for yourself. Like I mean, you. Dahmer was a drinker really young, and he was also, dad gave him weights to lift, which is not a smart thing. You don't want a soci- an alcoholic sociopath alcoholic to be and- super strong either. But what do you, what do, you, what do I know? Like, yeah, what do we know? So, what do we know? So, but you also don't want a sociopathic, alcoholic 15 year old with a lot of time and a need for cash either, because. Money is a great motivator. Even the good book, the Holy Bible, tells us in Ecclesiastes that money answers all things. And <laughs> it sets us up for Wayne because Wayne was wooed by money. Right. And there's something that happens to a child when, me being a social worker, you introduce substances before all the brain functionings fully form. So, I mean, decisions and choices. But, you know, I. but we also can't blame like it's it's hard to blame a fifteen year old no, for addiction. No, you know because there it's there usually are outside circumstances and lack of. Uh, and Wayne had those outside yeah, circumstances. Yeah. So let's talk about Wayne for a little bit because he was around when his friend was murdered. Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Do I have the information on his friend? Okay, so yeah, it was David Hildegeist. So David Hildegeist and um. I think David was with Gregory Winkle. Winkle. Sounds familiar Winkle. to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, they were both abducted and killed together on May uh, 29th, 1971. Right. Um, the parents were both looking for their kids in this. So David Hildegeist's parents were very much active. Yeah, yeah the Hildegeist were they not were about not that playing. life. They were looking for his son. And it turns out one of his lifelong friends was a little boy who was 15 at the time. It's weird because like <sighs> you want to say little boy and then you think He's about... He's a teenager. Yeah. You know, like, teenagers still, aren't little because we say still, little boys. They're you, still little though. They're, they're babies. I call everyone yeah, under 18 a baby. Yeah, but It is a small age. But Elmer Wayne Henley was the friend of David Hildegeist. So his friend goes missing, and, you know, Elmer, we'll call him (laughs) Elmer for now. He becomes Wayne later. He transforms (laughs) to Wayne later. Elmer was helping the parents of David put up posters, looking for his friend, where is my friend. He was very much involved in that. Mm -hmm. Wayne was, again, sociopath. So we have to... (laughs) But Wayne Wayne was also, like, Wayne had one of those upbringings that you would associate him with some kind of violent future right um wayne was essentially really smart like a lot of serial killers are they are intelligent people mm-hmm. uh had an iq about a 110 120 you know so he, right. he could have been set up for life was a good student but at home he was subjected to watching his alcoholic father routinely beat, beat his, his mother mom. yeah and wayne also didn't really have anyone watching him no nobody this was, was going on yeah. wayne was like all over the place like he no was one, one of those children like you know those kids in the neighborhood like do you have a home oh always <laughs> so yeah he was one wayne, of those. it's one of those things where it's like you don't have nosy aunties or neighbors that are like because even as a kid this is the thing about community too community has changed so much because as when i was a kid like i mentioned it in michelle blair's episode that it was it was one of those things where even if Someone saw you wandering. Like, my grandma had, be, like, befriended and, like, loved on so many kids who were kind of just stragglers all the time right. that they became my friends. And I'm sitting here thinking that my grandma knew their mama and I knew their mom. And then I realized I have never been over Andrew's house. Yeah, it was 
was like Andrew's always over my house. Being a kid, and I mean, of course, he had reason not to be home because there was a lot of stuff going on at home. To become again an alcoholic at fifteen, you have to have some circumstances that cause that, and he didn't have the best. He didn't, and at some point, his father's violent behavior even escalated to the point where, when his dad realized that his marriage was deteriorating, he was uh, pretty uh, sad on the idea of killing his wife. Right. Sat right. on the front porch with a shotgun. Took a shot at his wife, missed, <laughs> almost hit Wayne. <laughs> so he he definitely his 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 childhood would be more apt to believe that he would be turned into a Dean Coral as opposed to a Dean Coral. to a Dean Curl, mm-hmm. uh, unless we unless we're being lied to. Which we're being talking lied the to. Se- the the fifties, we're being the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies in the South. Everybody was lying about everybody. Right. There is stuff going but on. But I'm sorry, and to say this, especially white folks. White right. <laughs> were in the 60s in the South were lying and hiding all shit time. all the time. They were burning down black towns and killing people left and right and hiding that shit. Right. Police departments had their hands full, too, because of the uproar of um, racial unrest happening right. around this time. So, um, especially with things like Houston in Houston Heights, where it was more of an economic downturn, where people were really like kind of like poor, poor and whatnot. A lot of poor whites, mm-hmm. they weren't really policed, you know, all that well. They didn't, there really wasn't a need for a missing persons division because it was everyone else. It was the break-ins. It was the it was the assaults that were happening because there was you know what I'm saying. There was people weren't really going missing. So because everyone was so poor, they really believed everybody was running away to find work, which says a lot about the police department in Houston at the time and. Like you said, the Hilda guy is super involved, super, super, involved super diligent and in trying to find their kid and not getting answers. And they were yeah. not letting the fucking pe- the police department sleep. They were not taking their ears away from phones. They weren't. They didn't stop knocking on doors, handing out posters. Like, but there were so many parents that were kind of just like probably happy to be rid of a kid. Honestly, yeah. Some well, of them we talked just, about it. Like some of these kids were supposedly going over to help with um, making some money for the house, going over doing jobs. So the parents were like, "Okay, bye," and they didn't have the money to take care of these kids so you know not only he's not going to be another mouth to feed but he's going to participate in helping the family so they weren't really looking but not david but this is not david but that's also the vein that wayne fell into huh wayne yeah so when wayne's parents got divorced wayne ended up taking two part-time jobs to help support his mom and because of that this really good student grade started failing and eventually like a lot of kids in this area wayne dropped out of school uh he wanted to join the navy at one point Mm-hmm. Did not do that because he couldn't pass the tests. Don't Got ask it. me what kind of tests are going in the Navy. I just imagine a lot of semen. There is. <laughs> <laughs> but he started to lean a lot on female companionship. And, you know, he just wanted more money to impress girlfriends. So he turned to crime. You know, he eventually got a decent job laying some asphalt. But, again, when that bored him, he started, <laughs> he turned back to crime again and okay. got arrested for breaking and entering. Right. So he already had that. But unlike David, Wayne was a charmer. Wayne and was, the, and that's the difference. You know, Wayne was the one that really helped get these guys going over to Dean's house. Like creepy Dean and creepy David, like together, weren't as effective without Wayne. Wayne, despite all these things happening in his life, definitely was more appealing and the cool kid, and everyone liked him. And he Once was he started a, going by Wayne and not Elmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is where he left the Elmer. The helping of his friend Hildegeist and like trying to find him, that was Elmer. But then he became Wayne and he was the cool kid. 
Yeah, and then so <laughs> that knew the guy with the party house and the drugs. Like, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I yeah, with the bell bottom. That's how I see. That's yeah. how I see Wade, right? Like, <laughs> and then when you see the pictures of him, like, oh, he was definitely that, that guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> he had that ugly ass mustache. Right. Like, he to- he the to- he totally, mustache. He totally thought he was cool. Yeah. Uh, and just in the, in the beginning, uh, Dean and Wayne's relationship was much like David and Dean's relationship. It was very um, mm-hmm. fatherly. It was very like mentor like. Uh, with Gene bringing Wayne and his friends where they need to go, he'd buy them beer, he'd buy them weed. Uh, though, strangely for Wayne, uh, Wayne was never allowed to bring his girlfriends around to any of the drinking and smoking sessions, which is, mm. you know, rubbed in the wrong way, but he felt like it was a small price to pay, you know, right, like, whatever, right. okay, so my girl can't come through, I'm about to be extra lit tonight. Right, I see you. Right. I see you doing Dean. <laughs> right, you know, you looking no, out for me. No girls allowed. He's like, but you Boys won't. Party. He's like, what you won't do is bring no puss around here. What I really want you to do is be. I want you to be just with the boys tonight. Welcome right? back, Dean Sessions. Right, just the boys. We gonna hang around. We gonna do a few lines. Right, right. <laughs> just a little bit. Huff a little bit of paint. I know you into that. We gonna lay around, play the right kind of music. I heard there's a new. I heard there was a new uh, Beatles track. Out. I really hate this. So voice. I'm really gonna do that tonight. So we're just gonna hang out. We're gonna have a good ass time. What do you say? And Wayne was like, "Oh yeah, man, I'm totally into that. We could totally get in there." And Dean was like, "Of course you can." So I'll see you around eight thirty. Bring some friends. Would you and ever date a guy with that voice? I, I dated a guy no. who was super southern. And he sounded not super, he didn't sound as nasally as Dean Sessions, but he had such a country accent. And I, I'm a sucker for a country accent because, like, I like it. It's like a herald to my youth because all my relatives sounded like that. They're like, oh, you know, I went, on, I went on to the store and I got some taters, some maters. I can't stand it. I like, ooh. I can't stand it at all. It, it was nice. <laughs> but now I will never. And I just want to, I just want to talk about this really quick because I thought this was fucking hilarious. So eventually Dean needed to let Wayne in on the secret. So. Instead of telling Wayne, like, hey, you're bringing these boys back to my house so I could rape and murder them because he thought that would be too much at the too time. Too much, too much. No, that's like, too, too strong. It's like when you go on a first date, like, don't show all you're crazy. Right. Instead, D decided to tell Wayne. He's like, look, I'm part of a white slavery ring. No big deal. No, we're just selling white people <laughs> into slavery, sex slavery, whatever. It's not a big deal. So you bring not me these boys deal. and I'll give you a piece of the earnings. And so... <laughs> No big deal. Just just sex slavery. It's fine. Slavery. They're just going to be sold. Right. They're going to be sold because their bodies and their, bo- and their minds don't matter and their parents don't matter and their families don't matter. And Wayne being the upstanding, charming, sweet, kind of al- almost in a, in a weird way, <laughs> uh, upstanding guy, uh, refused. He said, oh, you know what? That doesn't sound like my cup of tea. Look, I know there's a couple of niggers down the street. That's not about to be my thing. Look. I know where this is going. I know this has been. I don't want to be a part of this. But it wasn't until them pockets started getting light. And Dean was like, <clears throat> excuse me, can't talk anymore. When Dean was like, look, I'll give you $200, which in today's dollars is 1216 or $61 yeah. with inflation. A lot of money in the 70s. It is. Wayne was like, you know what? I might just be able to help out a little bit. But also... It would stave off uh, Dean's sexual advances on Wayne as well, because we also know Dean had a thing for the for the boys that was helping him too. Remember, he was right. still uh, before that he was still uh, 
blowing David for two hundred dollars a month. I mean, for you to be offered this job with Dean, you had to be an attractive young man. <laughs> not job. Like this is a job opportunity. Not and... employment. <laughs> not. I like, mean, technically they were employed. Free. I mean, tax free. Right. It was under the table. You could babysit, or you could be an accomplice. I mean, some of this is just, so what he would do is he would just say, hey, I found this nice little boy named um, Johnny Ricks. Um, that's not a real victim name, but it just sounds like a Southern name. Uh, Johnny Ricks. I met a guy from the South named Johnny Rocks, and I thought that was super cool. But uh, <laughs> Johnny Ricks, and uh, I'm going to bring him by tonight. And Dean's like, ooh, so I even need your 16-year-old paintings. Get out of here. And so <laughs> it's terrible. That voice is terrible. It's so bad. It, it makes me cringe in my head. And, you'd have no and you're idea. doing it. And it, I... <laughs> it comes. It just comes out. And I'm like, because this is what Dean is in my head. And I, I was trying to find, like, please tell me we have a recording of Dean Coral somewhere, and there are none that I could no, locate. And there I mean... might be. Because it's the 70s when everyone started, like, trying to record everything and take pictures a lot. But and... who knows? They probably didn't have the money for recording stuff. So you want to talk, do you want to talk about how Wayne uh, was the because he was the charmer? So how did he? Where did he hang out at? What did he do? What did he say to get these uh, to get these strapping young lads to his house? Um, he wanted uh, him to get involved, and he offered him the same fee of two hundred dollars to help get people into this white slavery ring that was it. operating out of Dallas. <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. We're just selling. It people. just white slavery just sounds hilarious to me because I just feel like white folks just never let that happen, and they're just like, I mean, you know, it just not, white Americans. Like, I that feel like not. there is like a pedophile slug. Oh, there's totally. Oh, there's totally, but it's not specifically for white no, people. Like, that's no, no, but I'm sure probably like, the white diff- boys cause get more for them oh i'm sure but that also ta- that's is what i'm talking about white supremacy like there's a value put on white yeah. like but also these kids who are being sold into you know pedophilia pedophilia circles and sex sex slavery circles are also being looked for most of the time like i know that if you're if, unless you're finding kids who are homeless um street kids kids who are partiers uh sex workers most of them are going to be looked for. And that's why it make that's what makes it dangerous, especially in the seventies South. White kids could not go missing in the seventies and people not be looking for them unless it was this one area. But not in Dallas. You couldn't do that in Dallas, which was mostly white. You couldn't do right. that anywhere. It doesn't matter how poor this community was. I looked. <laughs> like, you researched this? Yeah. I was oh, okay. like, what was Dallas like in the seventies? And it was oh, like okay. you could not disappear as a white person. Look up look up every missing kid. Um case in the in the 70s in dallas texas and you'll see how much police work went behind it how much uh, neighborhood work went behind it people were adamant and diligent about finding their white babies in the 70s seriously all the sun i don't know what dallas was like in the 70s the sun downtowns in texas says a lot about how people cared about black babies and black people in the 70s but right. i'm just saying when it came to the white kids not about it was a it, thing yeah. there was nothing yeah, yeah. <laughs> but go ahead sorry what was that show that took place in dallas that was like so operative Dynasty. Yeah, there it is. Was it like that? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. I think it was Dynasty. Okay. So, um, at first he was, no, like, no, I'm not going to do this. But, like, uh, Sherdown said, like, things for Wayne were a little bit on the downtrod. He needed the money. His, you know, mom didn't have the money. And so, due to these financial circumstances, he participated in his first abduction. Da-da, 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 <laughs> da-da, da-da. So... Wayne would go to a popular restaurant spot and uh, offer these kids drinks and drugs. Then they would go back to Dean's place for a little after party. Yeah, I mean, when you had the best fried chicken in Houston Heights, you gotta go. Uh, you gotta go soak that up, right? You gotta go 
fill it up with booze and coke. Well, Wayne was at least a decent person. He had never invited his own friends to go. To <laughs> what a nice guy. I mean, he was a nice guy. He only invited the strange ones. Um, <laughs> the strange ones, not strangers, the strange ones. And one of the victims was actually Wayne's driving school classmate. Like, all he wanted to do was get his license, but apparently he got a little more than he bargained for. You know what this always makes me think about? It always makes me think about when... (laughs) This sounds terrible. When people talk about free-range chickens and shit, and everyone is talking about, like, this this chicken is allowed to roam, and he's, you know, fed with the, the best feed and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't need to know this chicken was in better shape than me. I don't need to know this chicken plan. I'm going to college. <laughs> I don't care if he wanted to reconnect with his daddy and restore. Well, this one had life goals. He was going to drive and he was going to well, drive what I'm around saying. the so, country. So that's, that makes it worse for me. Like, it makes it worse when I'm saying you're like, so you, you had goals you want to drive because you were planning on going to uh, UCLA for college in two years and you needed to be able to drive yeah. out there and you, yeah. you couldn't afford to take a plane. Like, all these things. As a free range victim. I couldn't wreck them. Victim. Oh, I was like, Ew. like free range chicken, free. You know, they look. You know what I was life? thinking about? I, I I never looked thought the search. Uh, I wonder if Dean's rectum was free range. Like, I wonder if he ever, you know, had oh, consensual so sexual relationships with other fully grown men. The army, didn't yeah, but that's when he had his first sexual change. But they no. never. And when we talk about him as a serial killer, we really only talk about his victims. We don't talk about any male companionship he may have found in this time. I'm sure they don't want to come out and say, uh, hey. Right. But not now. But I'm saying, like, even then, like you, we talked, we joked about, like you, nobody wants to be dating a murderer and then be that person on TV. Type of something. I had no idea, <laughs> like because right. of, like, bitch, yes, you did. You probably <laughs> so go ahead. <laughs> Free range rectum. Anyway. Oh god. One of the what about your friends episodes. <laughs> uh, anyways, one of the best things they would do was huff glue. So if anything, and paint. So. If you need a high, that's cheap. No, like, I just think like kids it's just funny it. that his name is Elmer and he uses huff and sniff glue. Connections. I didn't even put that together. I'm smart like that. Connections. I'm intelligent. Because I'm like so that. used to calling him Wayne, Wayne. that Wayne. I didn't put the Elmer. Tunchi. Huh? Maybe that's where the name Elmer's glue came from. No. Look up when that started. <laughs> yeah. What if like low? You know that would have been an awesome turnaround. Yeah. Like if he got had gotten out of prison and like started <laughs> a glue company and became glue. a billionaire, like the fuck? Like I, I mean, mean there's one there's one way to bounce back in life. Right. Using the name Elmer because I don't think he would use Rain. Wayne. Anyways, and also they would do cocaine. You Not know, good. they do a lot of stuff. Where did he get the money to pay for all these drugs, Dean? Dean? Was he doing that well? Well that's the thing, is that Dean would sell his stuff. Dean, oh, Dean would also yeah. steal and sell things to finance his okay, lifestyle, which sounds terrible because his lifestyle was one of rape and murder. It wasn't like he lived beyond his means. So when his victims would uh, wake up with, from all this uh, drunken stupor fun of uh, Dean's house, they would uh, wake up strapped face down to a board. Yeah. Do you want to play a game? Do you want to play a game? See, you have the voice. I can't do yeah, this. Yeah, I, this, I, tr- I practiced a lot of this over the years, though. Like, when I, I, Saul was my first rated R movie I saw in theaters. I was 17 years old, which dates me, which I'm not that old anyway. But, like, I remember I bought a ticket on my own, like, buy my own R rated ticket, and I remember sitting down in that, we're going to play a game. Like, I yes. went with my first boyfriend ever and um, saw that. I was in college. Not this new one, Sound there. 
Uh, uh, I'm sure there's another one coming out next year that um, <laughs> that this candy cane bay. The current boyfriend doesn't like horror and gore and leave and break up with him. Right? <laughs> I think that's safe. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I need to be as I need you to be as weird as me. Really? Yeah. Like that's how you end up murdered in a closet. Or strapped to a torture board. Well, I would never strap anyone to a torture board. I don't do anything that's not You know, consensual. I had plywood in my apartment, and I didn't okay, put it to good loose. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're definitely part three-ing this. This is yeah, one of those things. Yeah, this is a lot. So. <laughs> I told you. Just a, and as a torture, uh, we have to be really uh, aware of this. Because we talk about mania, and we talk about, um, last podcast on the left calls it, like, going into, like, berserker mode, and, like, being, like, crazy. Um, so as the torture murders continued, like most serial killers, the period of euphoria that lasts between the kills became shorter and shorter. And so Dean started demanding Wade bring him two victims instead of just one. Some were brothers, and he'd even make the other one watch as he tortured the other. His victims also became a lot younger. <laughs> I mean, maybe because he was feeling older, so... I mean, his his obsession with his age is a huge thing, and I think we're going to cover that in part That's three. Part three, We yeah. have to. Uh, and his bloodlust became a little bit more insatiable, and most of the victims were, like, mid-teen age, like that, 15, that 14 to 17, 18 range. But at this point, he had tortured and killed a nine-year-old kid who, fuck, lived across the fucking street. Like, <laughs> like this is... Where this, are your parents? Bitch, where, are, where are the police? Like, I don't even like... I don't even fuck with the cops like that. But where the fuck are the cops? It's like, 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Yo, that still fucks me up. That commercial? Yeah, because when it comes on, like, I don't have kids, but I do work with a lot of youth. Yeah. And I'm like, the fuck? I don't know. And I go right on Snapchat and, like, Instagram looking like, what the fuck are they up to? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's not home. It's a school night. I text them, get your ass home, please. <laughs> I, I'm that person. So if you want me, like, I'm, if your kids are around Charnel, they'll be well behaved and managed. And accounted for? Uh, excuse me, where are you at? Like, and not I'm not Chili's. Your Instagram says otherwise. <laughs> you check as it long as they're not with a guy who has candy and drugs. As long as you don't know, as long as you know about a person. Like, a lot of kids, a lot of, um, a lot of kids, I had to do a background check. Like, when I, with all the agencies I work with, mm-hmm. like, you know, they know where I went to school. They know where right. I live. They knew where my mama was. Like, you know everything there is to know about me. You know where I live now, how long I've been at my current job, how long I lived in my, my previous address. Like, all this stuff you know about me. If I bounced around a lot, I'm pretty sure they would be like, we don't trust you. Um. But it gets even worse because in 1973, David Brooks moved away. Goodbye, David. Bye-bye, David. He married another teenager, got this girl pregnant. I almost caught her something up. Got this girl pregnant, leaving only Wayne to be Dean's errand boy. He wanted to live a better life. I mean, he just wanted to live. He found love in a hopeless place. Thank God he did. But the pressure got to be too much. And in March of 73, Wayne started to break down a little bit. He told his friends that he was never coming back to the Heights, and he moved to Mount Pleasant to live with his dad and got a job as a gas station attendant, like, moving on up. To the east side. To that deluxe Cumberland Farms in the sky. Imagine pumping your gas and he's there. I'm like, oh, what's your name? I'm Wayne. Oh, <laughs> hi, Wayne. Um, I would say just like, I'm hi, Wayne. Uh, look. So where are you from, Wayne? You seem new around these parts. I haven't seen you at the gas station before. Did you just get this job? I'm from Houston. And what did you used to do in Houston? Um, I was a daycare provider. <laughs> like A recruiter? 
something oh. like that. I worked at a staffing agency. Oh. I did a lot of I did a lot of woodwork. That's nice. There's a lot of I. You know what? I was just a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Like I said. Oh well, it's nice to see you. Thank you. For Thank you. Here. Enjoy enjoy your ten gallons of gas, ma'am. <laughs> hey, you don't by any chance have a son about my age, do you? I actually do. He's twelve. Oh, that's, that's even better. I mean, that's great. Um, tell me about him. Anyway, so. <laughs> But soon he and his father had a falling out, and he moved back to Texas and back into Dean's what? His employee. Let's call it that. But the workload was really taking an emotional and physical toll. Wayne, you did not put that in your I did. I hate you. Wayne started drinking <laughs> even more heavily. <laughs> Shut up. And started asking older friends and relatives to accompany him to Dean's parties, knowing that Dean wouldn't kill in front of witnesses. So now, not only do we find... Wayne's starting to kind of like fall out of this lifestyle, but he's also starting to have a little bit of a conscience, protecting the ki- protecting victims, protecting people around. So not only was he inviting kids to kind of, you know, satiate Dean, satisfy Dean, but also bringing relatives around now. Like he's not going to kill in front of my cousin. Right. He's not going to kill in front of my 19 year old friend, Tommy. Because if this happens, Tommy's not groomed for this. Tommy doesn't know what's happening. So if Dean starts acting wild, like, if Dean starts strapping motherfuckers to the boards, Tommy's going to be like, whoa, 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 buddy. I mean, depends on how. Dean wasn't, but Dean wasn't particularly strong either. That's something we, Dean Dean was thin. No, that's why he needed the drugs. Right, he had that whole Peter Pan vibe to him. Like, I'm, and, which is so hilarious because, like, in gay culture today, 2017, we call it Peter Pan, uh, we have Peter Pan syndrome where people refuse to grow up. Where they don't want to age, where they don't want to do these things because they feel like their childhood was stolen from them because they weren't allowed to do these younger, the you know, the things that younger kids would do because they're too busy hiding and keeping secrets. So Dean was a man before his times. Mm, he was a man <laughs> before his time. Yeah, I guess you could say that. But uh, Wayne started drinking. Wayne started drinking a lot more. And again, so also Dean started to let himself go. Dum dum dum. And folks began to notice. He started drinking just as much as Wayne and becoming increasingly more agitated and irritable and even talked about marrying a long-term female friend and having a child. So obviously spiraling, he had spoken to his mama, who had moved out to Colorado at this point, making mention that he was contemplating suicide. But get, get how wild his mom is. Her religious belief in reincarnation had her giving him the advice that suicide was pointless, Dean, because you'd only live again to be taught the same life lessons. So frustrating and needing to... uh. Release. Blow off some steam to vent. Release. He asked Wayne to bring him another victim. And this is where things bring start to come to a candy. head. I need a candy. I need a candy cane. But dun dun dun. On August 8th, 1973, Wayne broke the cardinal rule of the Coral Party and Torture House. He brought a girl. Who was this bitch? Oh, you got, are you trying to do Dean's session? I tried. Excuse me. Who the fuck is this bitch? There it is. I made an attempt. <laughs> this woman, this girl that, uh, this woman, this young girl that uh, that Wayne had taken a liking to, her name was Rhonda. Rhonda. I love that name, Rhonda. too. Rhonda. Like, you gotta. Rhonda. And upon seeing this girl show up to his house, Dean was livid. He was pissed. <laughs> Pussy, no. And threatened to shoot them on the spot. Like, that insane. We know that Wayne isn't well. But at the same time, neither is Wayne isn't well. Dean wasn't well. But at the same time, we know that Wayne wasn't either. But they didn't turn back. So Dean pretended, you know, as he does, to calm down, to chill out. He's like, it's cool. It's cool. You know? I, look, I overreacted a little bit. Y'all have a seat on my couch. My nice little leather couch. Y'all chill out. 
I'm going to go and I'm going to get some fucking cocaine and some fucking paint. <laughs> and we're going to huff it all together, right? We're going to settle down. We're going to have yes, a good time. we're going to have a good time. And so, of course, these teenagers who lived to party, right, said, sure. And the teens did all that and puffed up and huffed up until they lost consciousness. And find themselves in a situation? They woke up. And they didn't wake up to a, say they woke up on the wrong side of the board. Right, right, right. Wayne specifically. Right. Wayne woke up strapped to this uh, torture board, one of the two in the place, uh, with his friend, his other friend. Strapped to the other board, and Rhonda. Rhonda didn't get that uh, good treatment. No, she, she well, didn't she, get red She carpet. got tied up and thrown in the bedroom. Yeah, she didn't get red carpet. Right. So Wayne, using his relationship and knowledge of Dean to insist and convince Dean that torturing would be a little bit more exciting. Come on, Dean. Wouldn't it be better if we did it together? It's better when you do it together, right? And Dean was like, "Well, you know what? You might be right. Um, so, you know, we are friends, right?" right. We should kill these people together. And he got Dean's trust back again. So Dean, again, Dean agreed to this on one condition, that Wayne would have to rape the half-conscious Rhonda while Dean took his friend the same way, strapped to the second board. Tag team. Wayne agreed. And when he was untied, he was unwilling or maybe just unable to rape Rhonda because we wanted, maybe, he, maybe he was a nice guy at this point. Right. Which infuriated Dean, who began to wave his gun around. Now I done told your dumb ass about this woman shit. And now you got me here. I ain't never been this hard before. And now you doing this to me. We're supposed to do this together. We're supposed to be friends. friends. We're supposed to be boys. And then a struggle ensued. Give me the fucking gun, Dean. Get the fuck off my man. I'm 75. That's how I feel it was happening. And then I'm like. <laughs> I know. I, I, I really want to do. I really want to do an audio drama. Uh, <laughs> we should make this podcast an audio drama. I have no accents in my arsenal. No, we'll make it work. <laughs> and so a struggle ensued. Wayne got a hold of the gun, and Dean, maybe being tired of the life he was living, because at some point we talk about we should talk about serial killers want to be caught. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it becomes exhausting. Yeah. You know, they they start being lazy. They start right. giving caring as much. So where do you go from there? Right, so Dean at this point starts insisting, shoot me, shoot me, Wayne. You got the balls, right? Shoot me. Well, Dean would know if he had the balls. Uh, that's not <laughs> funny. That's an, that's a sad story, rape joke. Um, dared to shoot him, and he, I guess, finally wanting it all to end. And Wayne obliged, firing six shots into Dean, and Dean Coral was dead before he hit the ground. Bang, bang. He shot me down. Bang, bang. bang Come on, Nancy Sinatra. Was that about the same time? <laughs> huh? Was that about the same time that he shot me down? Bang, bang. That would have been cool. I think Maybe. I'm going to Google that. I'm Holy Google shit. That's that, that sounds like it could have been it. Either way, Dean was dead before he hit the ground, and the shaken up 17-year-old called the police and said, y'all better come right now. I killed a man. And we'll end it here. Yeah. And we'll have to part three, and we'll... Part three, we'll talk about the discovery of bodies and how we found them. The incompetence of the fucking Houston Police Department in the 70s because right. everyone was trash. <laughs> Literally everybody. I mean, police haven't changed much. Well, that's, that's, that's something to say. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's really the life and time of Dean Coral, for, at least in the nutshell, right now. Candy Bay is dead. And we'll get into the name of the victims and how each of them were uh, taken out and how they were found. So many avalanches. And it's going to be so fun in, in two weeks. And maybe we shouldn't even wait two weeks. We'll, we'll wait the two we'll weeks. See, we'll see. We'll but yeah, this, is, uh, this has been a ride. 
this one episode, this episode in particular has been right. a ride. This is, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of feelings, and we're, I'm kind of happy we're recording this on New Year's Eve, so I can kind of leave this trash in the behind. I until have to I go the, to work, but I'm going to watch Steven Universe because I'm... You want to be cleansed. I need a cleanse. And Garnet. Yeah. I want to... <laughs> it's the only character I know from, because she has the afro, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's the afro and the sunglasses. She's she seems like a bad... Cell. You remember Estelle? I know Estelle. Yeah. Take me on a trip, yeah. I'd like she to does her voice. That's still my favorite voice, uh, my favorite song. rap from Kanye. Literally, <laughs> who killing them in the UK? Everybody, Everybody gonna say UK. UK. Reluctantly, because okay, this press don't fuck with me. Estelle once said, tell me cool down, down, down. No, what's the, my favorite line from that? Before he speak his soup, he spoke. And you thought he was cute before. Look at this peacoat. Tell me he's, he's broke. broke. Yeah. Ah, like, and I was like, yo, Kanye, go off. <laughs> I was like, I don't see you. Don't you miss Kanye? I don't because I, I listen to Life of Pablo. So he's still. I still, yeah. Life of Pablo is still, like, as musically. Like, Kanye's but, insane. Yeah, but his, he, yeah, I still believe that Kanye is a musical Talent, pro- production yeah. genius. Like, this is true. He is. He's, he's not. He, I'm gonna, I wouldn't call him a lyricist. Wolves is my favorite. I mean, no. Mm-hmm. I like Wolves from Life of Pablo. I can, I love wolves. I don't. Know I mean, I'm I'm song. very I'm very commercial right now. So um, when I say this, but can you guess what my favorite one is? Um, the one oh god, where he had all the celebrities in bed. What was the name of that? In bed. Yeah. You're thinking about famous. Yeah. I'm thinking about ultralight beam. Ultralight beam is my favorite. Oh. We know ultralight beam. Why is that commercial though? Because everyone knows. Every I thought everyone, everyone knew knows ultralight. that song. So yeah, Chance but, the Rapper, Kelly you, Price, Kirk Franklin. Uh, that's but he him. didn't put yeah. he didn't put it out as a single. I know, but I also love that that's Chance the Rapper is really the only one rapping on the song. It's like Kanye says seventeen words, <laughs> and the rest of it is Kelly Price, Chance the Rapper, and Kirk Franklin. Like, but it's Kanye's song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so either way, that we're not here. This is not the Kanye podcast. This, this is not true. what did Kanye do. This is what did you do? Yeah. And Dean, what the fuck? <laughs> like, uh, listen, listen. The, what the fuck? That's why. You know yeah. what pissed me off? It was the glass. Or, or ticked me off the glass rods. In the penis, that still makes me pre- squirm. Doesn't sound like pleasant. I don't have a penis. So well, I I, I've had friends who have had catheters done, and uh-huh. like they're not comfortable. I've never had one. They're like, yo, they hurt. Uh-huh. So imagine someone like doing that without the aid of medical anesthesia or like medical expertise. Well, you know, I don't have a penis, but I imagine right. And then like keeping in there, and not only that, snapping it. So yeah, the sharp. And then what if you had to pee? You know, like I mean, I think when you're being tortured and raped, the last thing is, I mean, you're but gonna, no, you you re- you're kind of just gonna you're gonna go. go. But if something shoved up your urethra, it's like how hurt, do you just but go? When everything else hurts, doesn't matter. But does it? I mean, you can you can it can be like retro. It can get shot back up into your body if they can't leave. Like it's not like it's you know just like you they tell you. Oh, this is gonna sound gross, guys, but it's what did you do? <laughs> like they would tell you. um if you had a sex positive household or something like that, if you're going to masturbate, if you're going to ejaculate to ejaculate into something onto something, don't press a thumb or something over your over your you know urethra because you don't want it to stay in. <laughs> I don't have a penis, so I don't know. I know, but that's something that's something like <laughs> I I had learned in school and learned from like you know right. doctors and stuff. Like you don't want to do that if that's your goal Is because that a fetish? It, I want to look it up. Uh, there there's something called sounding. Where they slide metal rods into your yeah, penis. Yeah, no, I know about and that. Ding, and ding, ding, ding. Yeah, especially so most of But not breaking it off. Now, there no, are people no, who... No, like people who hold it in after like they put a finger. 
I, that, yeah, there's a thing for everybody. I, know, I was going to say, there are people who have tons of penis fetishes, like I'm people who, there's, there are accounts of people who wanted to eat their, or be fed their own genitalia that it's happened, uh, I want to say it was Russia. There's actually a movie based there's on it. There's a lot of things called, that happen in Russia. Well, everything's legal in Russia, like New Jersey. So there is, <laughs> Hamilton reference, there is a, um, there is a movie loosely based off it, actually called Feed. Mm-hmm. It's You can find it on Amazon, not live stream maybe actually you could but i know the dvds on amazon it's one of my favorite movies it's fucking disgusting but it's um i'm i'm fucking disgusting but that's why i started of course that's why he found all the torture stuff i mean it wasn't it wasn't difficult but like i I don't even go into like looking for that though i bought the book and i was like give it to me (laughs) i was literally sitting on my bed like reading this i was like i can do this i can do this in two nights that's nothing and i did Well, maybe when we go into Albert Fish, I'll talk more. Into- I know you're in love with Albert I Fish, the him. great man. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. he's great. He's a he's a big he's a big boy. Well, he's a little boy, little yeah, man, yeah, but uh, he's a big. Uh, yeah. What they call him a heavy hitter. Yeah, he is. Uh, last podcast, we yeah. have, we'll come up with a name for our yeah, big we have guy. To figure, we have to come Dean Coral was a was a big deal. I just yeah. wish. Um, I mean, I guess for aspiring queer serial killers out there, he's got to be a role model for somebody. Oh, I he's got to be. A, it's got to be a talent somebody wants. <laughs> this is just, not somebody you look up to to listen to. It's, yeah, it's a talent. You know, it's just one that nobody wants. So either way, uh, D, we're going to wrap this up with a nice pretty little bow or, an, or a nylon rope if we're paying homage to Mr. Dean Coral here. Right. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, D underscore light four on uh, Twitter and Instagram if y'all want to follow me. I haven't been on lately. And you guys can also hear me every Wednesday on Unspoken Citizen Podcast where we talk politics and make you laugh and we make it fun because politics could be dry sometimes. Politics is dry. Yeah. How about you, friend? You can find me in three places all under one name. It's easy. It's uh, Snapchat. It's Twitter. It's Instagram. It's under at Charnel B. Just I'll put it in the show notes. I don't like spelling it anymore and you can also hear me every tuesday bright and early on those morning commutes to the jobs you don't like on the what about your friends podcast we're on apple podcast soundcloud and stitcher you can find us all the way there and if you guys want to find us don't forget google play i'm talking about my show oh calm down i mean you have to do that too well, anyway, like you and frankie <laughs> both uh, it's unimportant but you guys share it anyway so there <laughs> But either way, guys, if you want to find what did you do online, you can find us on Twitter. It's at what did you do pod and on Instagram at what did you do pod. Find us on Facebook. It's mm-hmm. www.facebook.com backslash what did you do pod. <laughs> that went with choreography and you guys didn't see it. You guys can't see the shoulder shuffle of my little Uzi. Either way, you can find us there. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on SoundCloud on Stitcher, Google Play. And the Listen, weird one that you just threw us on. I'm trying to... They haven't given us the okay yet. But we, we're going to be on something weird and fun, I guess. It's some XM radio, it's XM radio app. Yeah, app. So, yeah, we're going to be all over the place. We're super easy to find. So, I'm telling you, I hope you guys enjoy this. Tell your friends about us. If your friends have a true crime itch, let us help you guys scratch it. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you guys. Um, yeah, check us out all over the place. If you haven't and this is your first time, uh, it's only going to get better from here. Yes. So, um, until the next time we speak, guys, you know, think clean thoughts and keep your hands clean. And don't let the glass rod break. Oh. No.